Please be advised, this episode may include depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language that is not suitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome back to Wickedness. I'm, I'm Matt. Matt. <laughs> I said, I'm Matt. <laughs> oh, you trickster. I should have said I'm Lenny. <laughs> mm, dang it. Right when you said that, I remembered we were going to flip our names. Uh-huh. God. That was funny. Though. Gosh darn it. I'm Lenny. Mm. And we have had a sick week so far. And I don't mean sick as in cool. I mean, I've been sick all week. Yeah, you have. But I'm better. Like, I got better yesterday, but. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what I had. I know it wasn't COVID, or I'm going to go with it wasn't COVID. It was just weird, but. It was odd. I, had, um, like, I was under the weather. Like, it was serious. Like, but, of course, I didn't, like, miss work or anything like that. But, you know, I had a fever one day, and then I had diarrhea the next day, and then I had a massive headache the next day. And then it was never the same either day. Yeah. And then it was gone. So it was interesting. Weird. Well, I was talking to my stepmom and she said she had the exact same thing like you. Mm -hmm. One thing one day, one thing a different day. She was like, yeah, she said it was weird. Yeah, it is weird. I don't understand what was going on there, but whatever. I'm good. Here we are recording. So it didn't affect the podcast, but, you know, just sharing like and my daughter, she said something was going around. And I just and now that you said that your stepmom had it, too. So maybe maybe that's the thing that was going around. But it was weird. Yes. And poor Matt, he dealt with all of it. As I always do. You toughed it out, baby. I did. Mm -hmm. At least I wasn't sick. Truth. So it's a lot easier. Yeah. And our daughter, our middle daughter's boyfriend is staying with us right now they're getting ready to move into their new place on the first mm-hmm. and so they're just kind of staying here until they can move into their house yep just kind of waiting and then we're heading out to seattle yes getting ready to head out and go see of course we've got some, some ice friends. storms ice storms are rolling in and we're like oh mm-hmm. gosh dang it hopefully these won't right perturb us from being able to get out of here to go See our good friends, see my son. Our, yeah, our son, yeah, our son and, and watch a, our friends. Like, so we, our good friends, we've known each other forever. Feels like family and our kids grew up together. So one of our, one of their kids is getting married. So we're going to go to the wedding. We're going to visit some friends. We're going to see our son. It's, it's something like I'm excited about going. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a busy like, we're not staying that long. We're doing a sort of extended weekend, but it's going to be a busy four days. Yeah. 
Yes, it so, will. It'll be good. But it's going to be good, yeah. I'm excited. Otherwise, this week has been normal for us, and next week will be a little bit of a rushed mess, but it'll it'll be good. It'll be good. And I'm going to try, we're going to try our best to get another episode out. And there's it's possible that this will be a two-parter, so might not have to try and squeeze in time this week to get everything together and recorded before we have to fly out. But we will see. I'm not 100% sure that this will be a two-parter, but we're going to see. We're Anyway, so this week I decided to cover a killer who has always kind of bothered me. I heard about these guys like, or this guy, like, um, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And I remember on a podcast and that I was listening to, and I remember thinking how sick these people are. Like, who could do this to, you know, I mean, I always think that with serial killers, but this one gave me the extra ultra ew vibes. Yeah. If that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. These How people. How come you didn't share this with me until now? What do you mean? You never told me about this. Yeah, I have. You have? We have talked about oh, this. I'm a typical husband. Not listening yep. to their wife. <laughs> we've, we've Sorry. T- we've talked about this guy <laughs> and, and his accomplices. Ooh, I thought you were about to say accomplishments. I was like, oh, no, that's not good. No. But accomplices. No. Yes. Accomplices. accomplices. Yeah. Accomplices. And, and he's. Like in general, you know, serial killers bother all of us or they should bother all of us because they're killing people and they have no empathy, no feelings, cares. It's like they just have this rage and the sick need to take out that rage on someone else. Right. But this particular guy and his accomplices, they they've always bothered me in ways that others haven't. And and I'm I'm pretty sure that once we start talking about him, you'll see why It, it might be because I'm a woman and I take this a little bit more personally because of what they did to women. But I think anyone who reads about these people pinpoint that one killer who truly disturbs them. And for me, it's yeah, it's this guy. It touches it's David Parker some... Ray for me. Okay. He's known as the toy box killer. If hmm. if that tells you guys anything, if you guys know, if you guys have heard of him or whatever. But let's just jump into this guy and, and see how it goes. So... David was born in Belen, New Mexico on November 6, 1939. There isn't much known as far as details about David's childhood, but we do know his parents abandoned him and his sister Peggy into the care of his grandparents when he was about 10 or 11 years old. It was said that his grandfather was very strict and that his dad visited occasionally. And his dad was said to be a violent alcoholic and that when he did visit his kids at their grandparents, he would beat them and he would supply David with stuff like sadomasochist, sadomasochistic pornography. Weird. Yeah. That which, is weird. It, yes. And, and I, this is what helped, hmm. da- you know, develop David into the person that he ends up becoming. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, well, sure. I mean, right. you imagine you feed somebody something. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I think that's totally true. If you are exposed to stuff at a young age, you can't help but yeah um want that stuff when you're older yeah well and, and or that or this it's, is well it's a, that this is okay right this is yes. just normal and then it sounds like i guess his dad being the one that was visiting i would you can possibly assume that it was his parents that they were left with i guess i uh, yeah i assume i assume yeah. yeah i have no idea what happened to his mom like i said there wasn't mm-hmm. much of, yeah. like de- there weren't details about his childhood that i could find very easily um, and the file that I found from the FBI for Freedom of Information Act stuff is huge, but it's mostly articles about uh-huh. the trials and stuff. It's not yeah. really 
a lot of details about his childhood and his right. history. So I'm just giving you guys what I could find. Which is hugely important. However, if you don't have it, you don't have it. You can't share right. it. What you don't, what you can't find. I right. guess. Well, it's I it knowing their background, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is important to show you how they got to be who they oh, are. Oh yeah, it's a huge roadmap. Right. Um of of how they've become who they've become mm-hmm. to to a degree. Mm-hmm. So So it's also said that David was bullied by his peers for being shy around girls in high school. And this all made him become, you know, this horribly messed up in the head and and led him to become the killer that we believe he was. Yeah. I wonder and, why, like, what are you being, I mean, I guess, come on, man, you can't talk to that girl or something. I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, kids are cruel. They're yeah. stupid. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. But everyone gets teased in school, right? And my maiden name, mm-hmm. people made stupid comments, like, is that how much for a night? And things like that, you know. Yeah. My maiden yeah, name yeah. is Tenpenny. I'll just say it. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, ten pennies for a night or... A dime for a night? Is that all it costs? Or they flip you in, like a, a dime? Yeah. And, yeah. You know, stupid, yeah. stupid oh, yeah. shit like that. Like Right. That could, he definitely could. And I wasn't bullied in high school or any of that kind of you. stuff. Like I had friends. I was good. I would, I just, people are dumb. Just the, and they make yeah, the, the jokes. Yeah. And, the jokes yeah. and stuff. And it's how you, it's how, I guess how, how you, you deal with it or whatever. Deal with it, how you handle it for mm-hmm. sure. Um. But if he was shy around girls in high school, you know, maybe guys did make fun of him for that. You mm-hmm. know, like, well, you can't talk to her. Or, I don't I don't know what they would say, but it all messed him up. Mm-hmm. And being made fun of fed his insecurities. And these insecurities led him to drinking and drug abuse in high school. So that didn't help. And he attended Mountaineer High School in Mountaineer, New Mexico. And after graduating, he joined the Army and served as full enlistment and received an honorable discharge. So you're thinking things are okay up to here, right? Yeah, they did his time and he mm-hmm. got an honorable discharge. And So David got married and divorced four times in his life. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. During one of his marriages, he had two children. And you would think four marriages, like one of these women had to have known he had this dark side. Mm-hmm. Maybe they did. I don't know. And maybe that's what led to their divorces. But right. I really didn't find much about the wives. Okay. But just the fact that he had two kids and one of these children would become very close to her dad, her dad. So it was a girl. Her name is Jessie Ray. And she would even assist him in at least one of his kidnappings oh, in the wow. future. Okay. Like they're so close. She becomes one of his accomplices, hmm. which is very messed up. And before we move on to more about David, I want to introduce you to the woman who was his full-on accomplice. So, like, his daughter was a, a one accomplice or one-time accomplice. Another guy who we'll get into helped with another thing. So he was considered an accomplice. But then there's Cindy. Her name is, It was his girlfriend, Cynthia Hendy. She went by Cindy. And when Cindy was a child, she saw her mom get beaten by her boyfriend named Dick who her mom eventually married when Cindy was only eight years old. And when Cindy was 11, Dick tried to rape her, and he was able to convince Cindy's mom that he drunkenly made a mistake thinking he was crawling into their bed and not Cindy's. And her mom believed him. Yeah. You know, she she stupidly took Dick's side. So they kicked Cindy out of the house when she's 11 or 12 oh years old. Oh, my gosh. Right. Well, like, mom in a way, of that's the year. A, well, yeah, mom of the year, and then in a way that... 
it's it sounds like good. sounds like things didn't ha- go so well for Cindy, but from that standpoint, just being removed or being kicked out, like that would be a good thing yeah. for her. But the only bad thing is she's on her own from there. Yeah. Oh she, yeah. She starts dating drug dealers. Right. She becomes a prostitute. Yeah. She becomes dependent on alcohol and cocaine. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, she found that she enjoyed aggressive, almost violent sex that included rape fantasies mm-hmm. at a very young age. Yeah. Like all this stuff. Is molding her too, right? Sure. And an old acquaintance of hers even told police once that she told him once that they should, quote, rape somebody, maybe a prostitute, end quote, together. Huh. Like she's very messed up. Yeah. But whatever her childhood was, and, you know, if her mom is the kind of person who would believe her husband over her child, who knows what she was doing before she met Dick? You know what yeah. I mean? yeah. Who knows what kind of trauma this girl really had even before then? Well, and who knows what her stepdad had done before he got caught. I mean, we just don't know all the details here, but yeah. Hmm. So Cindy ends up having three kids with three different men, and she struggled to take care of them. And when her youngest turned 10, Cindy gave up on raising them and sent them off to, to their grandparents' house. She just shipped them off. Yeah. In 1997, she was trying to flee convictions on grand theft and drug charges. So she moved from Washington state to the town of truth and consequences, New Mexico. (laughs) I love that name. I do too. And this is, but this is where she met David Parker Ray, the toy box killer. Mm -hmm. They lived there together. And I'm just like, you live in a place called truth or consequences. And (laughs) I don't know. I'm just, (laughs) I feel like it was fitting. So they turned out to be, like together, the perfect nightmare though. So when she moved to New Mexico, she started working at a state park and it was the same one David worked at. So there's, that's where they met, right? And they quickly got to know each other and formed a bond over their shared violent sexual fantasies. Yeah, how did these, st- I wonder how that popped up. I don't know. Like, how do you get into that conversation? They were so enjoying by the a way. bologna sandwich at the park picnic table. <laughs> When one of them said, so yeah. are you into S and M or I don't know. Like, yeah. how do you, yeah. How do you get to that conversation? Like, how do you broach that? But right. Ray was 20 years older than Cindy and okay. she didn't care. So he was 57 when they started seeing each other and she was 37 when they moved in together. She would later tell police quote, when I moved in, he started to tell me all the women he had murdered. He said at least one a year for about 40 years. End quote. My. Yeah. Yeah. She had this information for the police and stuff, but you'll see Mm -hmm. they were never able to prove any of it. Yeah. It's kind of sick. So she said she wasn't sure if she believed him at first, but she did say she found it intriguing and it made her a little nervous. Dude, if someone is telling me they've been murdering people for 40 years, one a year for 40 years, I am not hanging out with you. Oh, it'd be fine. Nope. It's like, I'm not, I'm not just going to be telling a you little this because I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to do that to you. I just, but there's no way I'm intrigued I do by this. at least once a year as part of my annual ritual. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. I, but she's, she's intrigued by it. I, I just don't get this. So to me, it just shows you how messed up she is. Like, really? Mm -hmm. And she also told police that David would later tell her how he knew how to kill someone and bury them in a lake. She said, quote, the thing to do is cut them down 
the belly, scoop out their guts, fill the chest cavity with cement weights, and then use baling wire to wrap them up, end quote. Mm-hmm. It was like they were learning about each other and just figuring out how far they could go with each other yeah. in their conversations. And this allowed Cindy to let go of all of her inhibitions. So she began helping David pick out his targets as she started with one of her own acquaintances named Angela. Like how jacked up is that? Mm -hmm. She would later say that she felt bad for her because they were sort of friends and she had partied with her a few times, but she still did it. (laughs) I felt bad for her. Mm. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Cindy and David actually released their first victim, making her promise to keep her abduction a secret, (laughs) which would become a thing. Cindy also told police that when they had a victim, David did most of the torturing while she stood there and watched because that makes it better. Yeah. I just stood and watched. Right. You're an idiot. Mm-hmm. She said, quote, I had no, no remorse at the time. It was like slow motion. I don't think I had any feeling one way or the other. End quote. She really was messed up. Yeah. If that's really where you're at in your head while your boyfriend mm-hmm. is doing this, to, like, oh. <sighs> So she also told how David never hurt or tortured her the way he did their victims. This woman just makes me sick. Like she helped other women get tortured and probably killed. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, most definitely. All of them did. All of the accomplices did. But but you're his girlfriend and you did this a few times with Mm -hmm. him. This is not okay. So I know that I sort of mentioned earlier that David's daughter, Jessie, was also an accomplice, right? I mentioned this again because she helps him get victims, and the fact that he got his daughter involved makes me question what he did to screw her up so bad that she would help her dad find victims. Yeah. What did he do to her growing right. up? That you're daddy's favorite mm-hmm. to a point where you're okay with providing him victims. And then you might be, in the crazy way, wanting his approval so you do these things. Right. They want his love, whatever that... People want love in the weirdest way sometimes it's just, to get and feel like they're receiving some type of love. And I get that. Yeah. Like we like, what do they say? People will do bad things for attention, right? Mm-hmm. If they're not getting positive, right. they'll do the positive negative, or right? negative to get some type of attention. Some type of attention. But to bring your dad victims and know that he is going to rape and torture them. Like, you know this is what he's going to do to them. Yeah. How is that? I don't, I, what did your dad do to you? Right. Growing up? What was your childhood like? Yeah. I'd really, maybe I should dig into Jesse Ray's background as much as I could. find something, yeah. All I could find were articles of people saying, where is she now? Oh. Like, there's not much out there. Yeah. And probably with good reason. Yeah. So... There are just so many questions in my head, but let's talk about the crimes a little bit. Most of the articles I read about him start with how he got caught, and I believe that's because they never found him guilty of murder, and I just want to kind of put that out there, and I'll probably say it a million other times. They never found him guilty of murder. So that's what really kind of sticks with you, I Mm -hmm. think. Maybe is that what stuck with you somewhat? Yes. The fact that he, yes. Yeah, because you hear all this stuff going on, and you heard Mm -hmm. this other podcasts, I guess, telling the story. And then you're like, what the heck? Yes. Yeah. God didn't get caught. They never, they were never able to find any bodies, Mm -hmm. but he's suspected of being a serial killer. And, and I will go and tell you why they are so sure. I mean, it's not just the stories from Cindy Hindi. It's 
it's his journal. It's, it's all kinds of stuff. They know there are bodies out there. They know this man killed people, but mm-hmm. they can't prove it. Mm. And his accomplices accused him of killing several women. And he was suspected by the police to have murdered as many as 60 women from Arizona to New Mexico while he was living in Elephant Butte, which was approximately seven miles north of Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, where he lived when he was caught. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a lot of women to be suspected of killing, but to never be convicted of killing because they never found a body or were never able to actually corroborate the stories of his accomplices. But there's no reason not to believe their stories either. Yeah. And the FBI is fully on board with he did. Mm -hmm. So... David's sadistic self spent $100,000 to build a torture chamber that he called the Toy Box, which is where he got his moniker, the Toy Box Killer. Mm, Okay. And he, I mean, he called it that. That was what this little trailer was called. So David sexually tortured and presumably killed his victims using whips, chains, pulleys, straps, clamps, leg spreader bars, surgical blades, electric shock machines, and saws. And he grossly called all of these instruments inside the toy box as his friends. Oh, whoa. Yeah. With the help of his accomplices, he terrorized many women over the years. And some of the women, it's thought he was actually dating when he turned them into his, quote, sex slaves, end quote. And he refers to them all as sex slaves. Yeah. It's, he's disgusting. Hmm. Inside his toy box, he had a ton of sex toys torture implements, syringes, and detailed diagrams that he made himself showing ways of inflicting pain. There were even a home there was even a homemade electrical generator that he used for torture that was strapped to the bed he made that he tied them to. Oh jeez. He had a mirror mounted on the ceiling above the obstetric table that he made that he would strap his victims to that bed. Uh-huh. So the victims would be able to see what was happening to them. Oh, my goodness. So if he's, like, cutting off their nipple, they see this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sometimes David would also put his victims into a wooden box-like contraption that made them bend over forward, and it immobilized them while he let his dogs and sometimes other friends rape his victims. He would, like, let his dogs inside and put this... I, I read his tape yeah. and also listened to it, and mm-hmm. he describes all this himself oh, on his tape. He put this, like, scent on them and let his do- his dogs would sniff the scent and yeah. then get aroused and, and mount these women. Oh, and there's gosh. nothing these women can do about it. Yeah. And he would also call his friends and have them come over and rape these people. Why aren't these friends in prison? I know. Who are these friends? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He also had an audio tape, which I just mentioned, that he played for his victims when they regained consciousness after they were kidnapped. So, like, when they would get kidnapped, he mm-hmm. would get them to his toy box or to his house mm-hmm. and play this tape for them when they woke up so that they knew what was going to happen. And the tape is disgusting, and it's it's traumatizing to be honest with you and i will link it on our website and i also have a clip of the very beginning of it that i'm going to splice into this podcast here like in a minute but just just i I, you know i read through the transcript of it and if you want it's graphic so you've been warned Mm -hmm. i i'm not playing the whole tape i'm just going to play the first 
couple of seconds or, you know, like first two minutes of it. I was blown away by how cold it is and how ridiculous this man is. Just to just to kind of give you a taste of it, though, that you guys will hear it. And when his victims would come to in the toy box, he would play the tape. And just imagine that for a second, waking up after being abducted and you're strapped down to a table in the toy box or chained to a bed in his trailer. And this is what you hear when you first wake up, right? Like yeah. this is, yeah. I don't even, I can't even imagine. But This is like a horror story. Yeah. Oh, there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrists and ankles chained, gagged, probably blindfolded. You are disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly normal under the circumstances. For a little while at least, you need to get your shit together and listen to this tape. It is very relevant to your situation. I'm going to tell you in detail why you have been kidnapped, what's going to happen to you, and how long you'll be here. I don't know the details of your capture because this tape is being created July 23rd, 1993 as a general advisory tape for all future female captives. The information I'm going to give you is based on my experience dealing with captives over a period of several years. If at a future date there are any major changes in our procedures, the tape will be upgraded. Now you are obviously here against your will, totally helpless, you don't know where you're at, don't know what's going to happen to you, you're very scared or very pissed off. I'm sure that you already tried to get your wrists and ankles loose, and you know you can't. Now you're just waiting to see what's going to happen next. You probably think you're going to be raped, and you're fucking sure right about that. Our primary interest is what you've got between your legs. You'll be raped thoroughly, and repeatedly, in every hole you've got, because basically you've been snatched and brought here for us to train and use you as a sex slave. Wow. Yes. I mean, and it goes on. The tape is like seven, eight minutes, Mm -hmm. and he goes into some detail that I'm telling you, I would probably wish I was dead already. Yeah. If I woke up hearing that. Mm, yeah. Like, I would not. Uh, uh, uh. I mean, of, of course. That's torture itself. Uh, yes. That's what I'm saying. Like, and if you want to hear more, like I said, I'll link it to the website. But it is graphic. And it's, I mean, horribly graphic. It, I can't even imagine. I feel like that is when the torture began for these women. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this tape. Because yeah. Yeah. Just, just imagining the stuff that he's describing is about to happen to you. Over the course of who knows how long, could be days, could be months. I mean, he really talks to them and says it just depends on how long he wants to keep them around, basically. The mind games were this guy's thing. Mm. And and he really played them well. Mm. So on March 19th, 1999, 22-year-old Cynthia Vigil was in a parking lot in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where she was working as a prostitute. She was approached by David, who she thought was her date, but instead he approached her as an undercover cop, flipping out a badge to her, and he told her she was under arrest for solicitation of sex work, and he handcuffed her and put her in her in, in his car, right? Mm-hmm. 
She said she felt something was wrong at this point, but there was nothing she could do. The whole meeting had been planned between her pimp and Cindy Hendy, David's oh, accomplice. Okay. So Cindy had found Cynthia for David. And he tasered her, then drugged and blindfolded her Okay. once she was in the car. Mm-hmm. When she woke up, she's chained to a bed in their apartment, and she heard the click of a tape recorder, and then she heard David's instruction tape being played. And she remembered hearing the voice say, quote, Okay, bitch, we both know what you've been brought here for. I'm going to use you for a sex slave, and you're going to be, and it's going to be painful as hell. That's the way I want it to be, end quote. So who knows? Maybe there was a whole other tape at the time. Yeah. I doubt it. Yeah. Because the only one they found was the one that we we played the clip for. Mm-hmm. Either way, whatever Cindy's thing is, whatever she heard, that was what she remembered. And and I, I feel so bad for her because she was an actual victim. She's a survivor, right? Mm-hmm. And she was an actual victim. So whatever it is that like to be interviewed and to have to relive it, who knows? Maybe that is what she remembers the most in her mind. Our memories are, are yeah. crazy, right? Oh, yeah. But she, Cynthia was tortured for the next two days. And she said the pain would get so bad that she would literally pass out from uh-huh. it. Over the course of these days, Cynthia was raped, tortured with medical instruments, electric shocks, and whips. Cindy said that she only whipped Cynthia and David did the rest. But in my mind, this bitch was totally involved and probably trying to diminish her actual involvement when she was questioned about it. Like you're standing to the side and watching it freeze you of of any guilt. Yeah. Like she's like, well, I, I only did the whipping. Yeah. Like, no. So I think I'm more disgusted by the, by Cindy Hindi than him in a lot of ways. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're doing this. Two other women mm-hmm. that could easily be you oh, in yeah. that table. Oh, yeah, for sure. Luckily, though, Cynthia was able to escape and land these bastards in prison. On March 22nd, 1999, during her third day of captivity, David had gone to work and left Cindy and Cynthia at home alone together. Cindy had left the keys to the chain on a table near where Cynthia was tied to a bed. When Cindy had walked away, To answer a phone call, Cynthia used her feet, choking herself with the chain that's wrapped around her neck, and was able to stretch herself out far enough to reach the keys that Cindy had left laying there. She quickly worked the keys into the lock on the chain and went through several before she was able to get the lock open. But while she is trying to open the locks, while she's trying to find the keys and stuff, Cindy noticed her escape attempt and attacked her with a lamp. She bashed it over Cynthia's head and a fight went down. Like they started fighting though. Cynthia didn't go yeah. down easy. Oh, She's yeah. fighting for her life. Whereas yeah. Cindy's just fighting for like trying to keep her from escaping. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Cynthia um, is able to get the best of Cindy. And when she's, you know, like when she grabs something, it, it was an ice pick. She stabs her in the neck with oh, it. Wow. Cindy didn't die. Thankfully, mm-hmm. because she needs to stand trial in my opinion, but sure. She stabs her in the neck with an ice pick. So this ends their fight. And Cynthia's, able to get the lock open, and she runs for it. Mm. She is naked. She's wearing only an iron slave collar and padlock chains. She ran down the road looking for help, and she saw a nearby trailer that looked like people were home. So she ran up to it and started beating on the door. And the owners took her in, comforted her, and called the police. And when the police arrived, she pointed them to the trailer where she had been held, and this led to the arrest of both David and Cindy. In later interviews with Cynthia, she said, quote, 
The way he talked, I didn't feel like this was his first time. It was like he knew what he was doing. And he told me I was never going to see my family again. He told me he would kill me like the others. End quote. Yeah. Cynthia's escape started the collapse of David's sadistic torturing ways. And after David was arrested, the police got a warrant to search his home and trailer. And this is when David's toy box was discovered. And they found his torture instruments and the contraptions and everything that Cynthia had told them they would find. They also found a videotape from 1996 showing a terrified woman being raped and tortured by David and Cindy. And I think that is where we will stop and we will continue with part two for next week. Okay. Well, this is uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, it gets better. As sad as it is, it's. It's kind of like, wow. And then, yeah, for you to say, okay, well, now it's going to get better. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, not better. Not better in a good way, but better yeah, as far yeah. as just the more, just blowing up the story. Yeah. And yeah. talking about like, it. Like, it starts to come out because Cynthia was able to escape. Unfortunately, not right away. Mm-hmm. I wish she had gotten out mm-hmm. faster, but um, she did get out. And I'm glad that she did. Okay. Wow. Okay, well, let us know what you think of this first episode of The Toy Box Killer. You can contact us at wickednesstruecrime at yahoo.com. Check us out at our website at wickednesstruecrimeintheunknown.com. And follow us on Instagram at wickednesstruecrime. Check us out on Facebook, wickednesstruecrime and the unknown. And follow us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness, where you can also support us if you feel like lending your support by clicking on the support button. And finally, last but not least, Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. This helps us get our podcast out to more people and make sure you don't miss another episode. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.